Urban exploration is something that I do from time to time with one of my other close pals. The most of the time, he basically explores deserted homes and the occasional factory or two. Doing so may be a truly amazing experience for anybody who is interested in history, photography, or inhaling asbestos. However, today he came up with the idea that the two of us should travel to a nearby abandoned hospital at night, by ourselves, in order to make the experience more intense, despite the fact that he has obviously never seen a single horror movie in his whole life. We make it to this location just as the sun is about to set, despite the fact that I had some reservations about doing so. We enter the building by means of a window where someone has removed the boarding, and my friend lets out his customary shout, which is heard throughout the building, to announce his presence. This is done to ensure that we do not startle anyone else who might be inside by saying hello. No, we are not the police. We are just going all around and taking pictures at the moment. According to his line of thinking, we are being courteous to anyone else who is exploring the building and who might become alarmed if they heard us coming otherwise. However, according to my line of thinking, we are announcing our presence to every homeless person who is in the building and who might be interested in stealing a camera from two stupid kids. In spite of my worries, there are no adverse outcomes. We make it all the way around the building, exploring a number of stories before heading up to the roof for our last stop. We snap a lot of shots that turn out very well and investigate some of the eerie old tables and bathtubs that they have left behind in the building. Inside, in addition to the normal shittiness of the tags, there is also some pretty great graffiti to be found. We can literally only see whatever we happen to be aiming our phones at at the moment or whatever we happen to be taking a picture of with the flash on the camera since the whole building is completely dark with the exception of a few points where moonlight streams through. I'm pleased I went, and even though I'm still concerned about getting killed, I'm starting to feel less anxious as we make our way back to the window through which we entered the building. When we got back to the room, I was the first one to jump out the window, and then I had my friend hand the camera to me. When I take it from him, he begins climbing out the window, and I hear a gentle voice from inside the building saying, wait. It seems like it's coming from about 10 feet away or so. When I glance around at my companion, I see that I can just make out a shadow of someone standing at the doorway leading into the room from where we arrived. Now, I'm not proud of what came next, but in that instant, the force with which my butthole puckered propelled me away from that building with enough forward momentum to last until I was at the edge of the property back toward the road. Now, I'm not proud of what happened next, but in that instant, the force with which my butthole puckered propelled me away from that building. My companion chased after me swiftly, although I think it was more out of amusement for me than out of concern for my safety. Even though he acknowledged that we wouldn't be returning, he didn't seem to be very concerned about the situation. I am aware that this is not the most riveting tale, but the fact that I was quite certain that we were the only people in that structure was what gave me the creeps at the moment. Outside of our presence, there was complete silence. The fact that the man, waited until exactly as we were leaving frightened me because it made me think that they may have been monitoring and following us throughout the whole building. The fact that the man, waited until right as we were leaving made me understand that. Just following us around, 
listening to us chat, seeing us take photographs, and generally being nosy. It goes without saying that I don't do nearly as much urban wandering as I used to, at least not late at night in creepy old buildings that were built before World War I. My husband and I, along with several of his college buddies, used to scale the fence in order to engage in games of airsoft and paintball inside the vast, abandoned warehouse. It was the finest spot ever, up until the night when it was just my husband and I and we made out on some steps inside when it was raining. At first, we believed that we were simply hearing rain or thunder, but after a second, we realized that we were really hearing extremely definite footsteps echoing and slowly approaching from the end of the warehouse that was the farthest away and had the least amount of light. When we directed the beam of our flashlight in that direction, we saw nothing. Zero, nada, zilch, nada. But I could hear them getting closer and closer. In our haste to exit via the closest window, we virtually ran into each other. That was the very last time any of us ever went to that location. Together with a close buddy, I was staying at a defunct mental facility. The structure was rather ancient and spooky, but we liked it even if it was stuffy during the winter and smelled like flowers in the summertime. You had to climb some steps on the exterior of the building and then enter through a hole in the wall in order to go inside. Additionally, this was the only means to leave the building. My companion and I were standing on the middle level and having a light conversation when all of a sudden, we heard footsteps coming down from the floor above us. Because this particular level included just one escape, we had no choice but to remain there. We stood there, utterly still, staring at one other for a number of seconds. We had a bad experience in the same building a few months before with a guy who was armed with an axe, so we were in a state of extreme fear when we saw him again. After hearing the footsteps of that person approach, I felt compelled to take some kind of action and began, walking. When I walked, the noises my shoes created were distinct and piercing due to the fact that I was wearing high heels. In addition to that, I was almost walking on pieces of broken glass. A few seconds later, we heard someone rushing away, and I'm very sure that it was because I scared him. My profession is that of an asbestos surveyor. It's necessary for me to often explore abandoned buildings in their entirety. When I was younger, I was given the task of conducting a study of an ancient nunnery. I believe the foundations went back more than 300 years. When I went down into the basement, I discovered a well that had a ladder going all the way down it. I would estimate that it was around 20 feet deep. Descend all the way down, and there was a little door waiting for you at the very bottom. It dawned on me that this couldn't possibly be a well hole. The door led into a confined space that was completely dark. There was a gigantic cross inside the chamber that looked very much like a crucifix but also had chains attached to it. My best guess is that it was used for some sort of religious exorcism or anything like that. There were marks of scuffing on the walls. The owner of the building was completely unaware that it was even there. After surveying a very old mental institution that had been abandoned for many years, 
I discovered a chamber that had all of the antiquated apparatus that had been used to control mentally ill patients in the past. That didn't strike me as particularly spooky until I suddenly felt a wave of coldness wash over me and heard a door slam. I got out of there as quickly as I could, like a rabbit that was being pursued by a ferret. used to work at an office of an organization that was a bit of an old boys club and was located just outside of London. The position of director was one that was chosen, had a great deal of prestige, and its occupants were typically appointed in their 60s and served for 10 to 20 years. One in particular had left a legacy that was notable for the fact that he had a reputation for liking his job so much that he worked in his office until 9 o'clock every night and had passed away in post before retiring. Because the organization was transferring to a different nation and had also cut personnel quite a bit, there were only around 10 of us in a facility that could hold between 40 and 50 people. Because the organization was winding down a little because it was moving to a different country. Because I worked on projects, I had to stay late at the office on occasion, everyone else went at 5. The structure was typical of the late 1970s and had not been modernized. The first night that I worked late, I was sitting in my office when exactly at 9 o'clock I heard a door being slammed on the second floor, followed by a third. After that, I became aware that the elevator, which was described to me as a primitive thing operating on analog equipment, proceeded to the highest level. It opened and then shut a lot faster than the doors did when they were just left to their own devices. The door was then opened on the ground level where it had just arrived. After around 4 or 5 seconds, the sound of the front door slamming shut could be heard. After going to check, I discovered that the front door was closed securely. Before it occurred again the next night in the exact same way, I felt it was a little strange. On the third night, at 7 o'clock, I walked upstairs to make sure that all of the doors were locked. The event happened at precisely the same time as it had before. I never had the guts to go upstairs at 9 o'clock at night. The worst thing is that while the lift was being serviced, I bought the man who was working on it a cup of coffee and questioned him about the lift's wiring. There was nothing at all, not even a timer or a clock. I worked for a business that specialized in investments and management. After purchasing this old and lovely building in a downtown neighborhood, our objective was to first bring it back to life via renovations, then install a bank in the main floor space, and then lease out the offices on the upper floors. It has been abandoned for a number of years, and almost everything about it is outdated. After we finished the demolition phase, which included ripping down internal walls, pulling out carpet and flooring, etc., the market fell in 2008, and we were unable to finish the project. Then, it was discovered that someone in a position of authority had neglected to complete part of the historic building documentation before taking down the whole structure. As a result, we were unable to claim the tax credit of around $30,000 that was meant to come with the transaction. So we were left with a gigant building that had been entirely gutted and had lost its worth. And we continued to bear responsibility for it. So even though we just had a handful of lights on, we still had to pay the electricity bill. 
you continued to pay for the service of the elevator on one elevator so that you could continue to move around the building. Still paid for security patrols to be done around the building. It was a really interesting structure to look at. In my spare time, I work as a model, and recently, my team and I did some photo shoots in some ancient bank vaults as well as in the fallout shelter that is located beneath them, and it was a lot of fun. Additionally, I served in the Army Cadets. Between the years 2008 and 2010, about I am in Pennsylvania, and the location of the old high school where we used to have our drills was a building with numerous stories. It was always eerie, and when we had our night guarding duty, it was generally just one person staying up all by himself for a few hours at a time. This made it seem much more unsettling. Everyone had a strong feeling that it was haunted. I saw a shadow, and some of the other men would see them or hear footsteps or doors swinging and occasionally closing. I was the only one who saw the shadow. It has been deserted for some time, and several of my friends and I have explored it. My girlfriend and I are really considering spending the night in there when we go camping. In my hometown, where there is now a shopping center built in the 1960s, there was once an antique store that occupied that space. If you entered the building by the rear entrance, there was a hidden passage that led to a staircase that took you to an upper area that had retained all of the splendor that it had in the 1960s, including the crystal chandeliers. On the floor in a secluded area was a packet of condoms that seemed to be around half a century old. Although this was the most unsettling aspect of the atmosphere, generally it had a haunting feel to it. An ancient missile silo that has been abandoned may be found to the northwest of Los Angeles. At the very least, I believe it to be a missile silo. When I first visited there, which was about 10 years ago, the hatches were left open. My friend and I decided to do some investigating one day, so we climbed down through the hatch. The first terrifying thing that we came upon was a huge number of rattlesnakes. We were able to locate a stairway, and then using our feeble flashlights, we descended farther into the pitch black night. I believe we had down around two stories when we found ourselves in a large hallway. We proceeded on and suddenly, from around a bend, a ghostly white figure appeared in front of us. We were instantly paralyzed. The beam of light that came from the source illuminated the legs of the figure. We increased the brightness of the light, and ultimately we were able to see its face. It turned out to be a mannequin. At this time, we had enough of it and decided to go. This is going to be brief, but the recollection came to me a few days ago, and I thought that it would be worthwhile to share it with you all. My home is in the county of North Wales in the United Kingdom. Even though it is a gorgeous location to live, there are not many activities available for a teenage male to participate in. Those who have had the opportunity to go there can attest to the beauty of the area. As a direct consequence of this, my friends and I often found ourselves aimlessly adventuring throughout the countryside and down the shore. 
There is a dual carriageway that runs straight down the coast from Wales into England, despite the fact that there are not very many people living there and compared to the cities that are located nearby. Additionally, throughout the most of its length, this road lies parallel to a set of railroad lines, which periodically cross above it on a little cement bridge. Anyway, a few years back there was a night when approximately four of us arbitrarily decided to attempt to investigate the inside of one of these bridges. One of the members of the party had seen a manhole cover nearby, which we assumed to be the entrance to the structure. After giving it a closer look, we found out that getting inside would involve the use of numerous different kinds of instruments. After retrieving the appropriate tools, we went back to the lid and began unscrewing the bolts. This needed to be done silently due to the fact that the railway track was right next to us. Although we were not in any immediate danger, the distance between us and the train was certainly near enough to induce anxiety in any train driver. And when people panic, the police are frequently called. We didn't have to wait long before we were able to remove the hefty steel disc, and we immediately began lowering the ladder into the structure once we did so. After ensuring that everyone had reached the bottom in one piece, we made the decision to go on to the other side. At this moment, we are completely hemmed in by the constricting confines of the limited passageway that leads into the main area. Because of its odd appearance, it is understandable if you are unsure of what exactly this bridge is intended to be. However, you are in good company in your perplexity. I mean, if we hadn't discovered the manhole, I never would have guessed that there was even an interior to the building. As a consequence of this, we are experiencing an increase in claustrophobia as we make our way to the other side of the building, which requires us to squish, squat, and at one point scrape along our belly. Surprisingly, the distance from one end to the other is rather great, nevertheless, at the point that marks the halfway point, there are openings through which you can see the highway below. This was really very amazing, and in some weird way it assisted us in maintaining our composure. We were still nothing more than a bunch of guys on an adventure at this stage, despite the fact that we were experiencing some slight pain and being confined. This was going to go through a radical transformation. One of us said that not more than a few meters beyond the halfway point, which we were able to determine owing to the symmetry of the passageways across the bridge, they could see something in the distance at the far end of the bridge. We agreed to look into it, but not without some trepidation. Bad move. I was the one who finished first, and I can honestly say that I have never felt anything close to the same level of dread either before or after that moment. In front of me was a single chair that folded up into itself and was turned to face a wall. A page from a newspaper or a magazine that had been cut in half and tacked on the wall displayed an image of a woman who was entirely nude and posed in a sexual posture. The reason why I don't simply refer to it as porn is because there was something unusual about it, I can't put my finger on it, but it looked more sinister than sensual, if that makes any sense. The reason why I don't just refer to it as porn is because there was something different about it. Even more unsettling was the fact that the eyes of the lady shown had been removed from the page. Not merely taken off hurriedly but rather removed with care and accuracy the sight that had materialized in front of us had made all of us utterly speechless, and collectively, we had experienced an overwhelming feeling of terror. 
It was at that point that we discovered the condom. The dreadful, nauseating, and gut-wrenching condom that was covered in blood. Needless to say, we exited that place as quickly as humanly could, despite the fact that doing so caused us to scrape our knees and shins on the jagged edges of the cement that lined the way to the ladder by which we had arrived. Because it was difficult to see whether or not the manhole had been resealed until you reached the ladder itself, of course we were all hoping to God that it hadn't been done yet. We were fortunate enough to find a clear path to the exit, and we made a beeline for the door as quickly as our legs could take us. I'm sure that some of you who are reading this are going to be disappointed by this story's conclusion, since we, thankfully, never ran across the twisted guy who sits in that chair. However, I feel the need to emphasize how drastically out of the ordinary this was taking into account where I reside. There are easily enough people here to escape the realms of crazy country folk, yet there are nowhere near enough people for someone to clearly lose grip on society without somebody taking notice. The reason I mentioned the population earlier was with purpose, there is easily enough people here to escape the realms of crazy country folk. For instance, there was literally just one homeless guy, and since everyone in the region knew him and became fond of him, there was a large turnout for his burial when he died away. I sometimes think, though not recently as I had more or less forgotten about that night entirely, about the person who climbs down into that bridge and navigates through the darkness to sit facing a wall, and as God knows what, which ends up with a condom full of blood. This thought hasn't occurred to me recently as I had more or less forgotten about that night entirely. You really couldn't make up a scenario that's any more unbelievable than this one. It is only now that it has dawned on me that what we discovered that night has never been spoken to another living being in any way, shape, or form. It was the kind of thing that, when you were young and naive, you just wanted to put out of your mind, but now that I'm an adult, I realize that we probably ought to have informed the police, or at the very least someone else, about what was going on down there, because it wasn't the actions of someone with a sound mind. The conclusion is as follows. Since this is my first post for LNM, I got a bit carried away with the details since I wanted to make the reading experience as close to the actual event as I could. I apologize for the length of the article. Now that I'm a few years older, and perhaps a little braver, I'm thinking of going down there again, accompanied this time, to see what kind of messed up shite could be waiting for me. Of course, I'll be going with someone. This may take place over the next few days, and you can be sure that I will definitely publish an update on the situation since I do not have a job right now and so have plenty of spare time. Thank you so much for reading. Update, as promised, here are the photographs that were taken on the second trip. We arrived at the location in the early evening, so there was still plenty of light. As a consequence, I have opted to apply a basic filter on the majority of the outside pictures, merely to diminish the light and give it the eeriness it deserves. Unfortunately, I had not clearly communicated my goals to those who were with me, and they had assumed that I only wanted to check out the tiny area that was located before the entrance to the passages since they had previously been there. After I told them I wanted to go across the bridge, they immediately noped the F out of there and left. You can probably understand how profoundly dissatisfied I was with the outcome. 
I really want to go back soon with a new group of friends, but I can't guarantee when that will happen. It's possible that if everyone who is interested in the return visit just writes a single remark with the word update in it, I will be able to respond to each of you personally. This way, you won't need to constantly checking back, instead, you can just wait for a response. A passing notion only. When I was in the 8th grade, a friend and I went exploring in an abandoned cheese factory. We found a large group of homeless people huddled together in one of the old offices around a space heater, which we later realized was powered by an extension cord brought in from the outside of the building. It was operated covertly in the snow, presumably with the intention of evading detection, and was connected into an outlet at a park pavilion in the vicinity. They gave us the strangest stares imaginable, and we quickly left the area. There is no time for back and forth. When I think about it, I really regret not bringing any food, blankets, or other supplies back with me. I was quite ignorant and immature at the time. I'm a police guy. We all got together to search for two or three missing persons as we cleaned up an old factory that was rather large and located near to the city center. I believe there were four or five levels total, and the structure was really two separate buildings joined by stairs. Because the stairwell leading to the second building was severely damaged from the ground up, we were initially unable to reach any of the upper levels of that structure. In the first building, we were unable to locate anything at all, nonetheless, there were garments and sleeping bags strewn over the place. Because one of the higher levels of the first building provides access to the walkway that connects to the second building, it is the route that we used. Still nothing, but the stairwell that led to the other levels of the second building wasn't as messed up from the top, so we began cleaning the second building working our way upwards. There was no one to be found but there was an increasing feeling that something bad was about to happen at that time. I believe we made it to the second story of the second building, and the door on that floor was the only one with any type of effort at a lock. With essence, the doorknob on the outside of the building was encircled in some yellow cable and sent inside the room through the space normally occupied by the lock. We had no choice except to chop that thing and then get inside. We shone our spotlights on a few individuals who were sleeping in bags or on shabby mattresses despite the fact that the room was completely black. Then we come across some other individuals who are homeless. Then additional. And much more and beyond. There were people living on the streets in every direction. Finding an unauthorized refuge for so many people was disturbing. Despite the fact that the majority of individuals living on the streets in our city are rather harmless and tend to stay to themselves. When we examined IDs, I believe we found one or two people with outstanding warrants. We were unable to locate any of the individuals who we had been searching for. Once the flashlights were taken away from them, the most of them just turned over and went back to sleep. This was because we didn't really mess with the rest of them. Although I don't consider myself a urban explorer, an old friend's father used to reside in a building that had once been a mental institution. 
I can only assume that he chose to reside there because of its enormous size and very low cost. The only issue was that they had only converted half of it, the other half had been condoned off and had been left exactly the same way it was when it was shut down. This was the only concern. One day, a friend of mine invited me to spend the night at her place, and while I was there, we all had the urge to investigate the spooky portion of the hospital. Things that we discovered a single infant shoe was located at the very bottom of a woman's locker. Toilet that was completely covered with what seemed to be blood stains. A shack that, as far as I can tell, was originally used for electroshock treatment. A large wooden bench with leather handcuffs and ankle restraints was situated in the room, and the walls were covered with a multitude of plugs. Even more unsettling was the fact that it seemed as if scratch marks had ripped through the layers of wallpaper that covered the walls. A pleasant surprise, the kitchen of this family was located in the former operating room. The sign that said surgery was still affixed to the door, and the air within the room had a peculiar odor that never, ever disappeared. It was a stench that made my stomach turn, but I have no idea how to describe it. It smelled like a combination of chemicals and that unpleasant odor that develops in refrigerators when food and meat are allowed to spoil. Within the Chernobyl exclusion zone, I found myself in a city that had been abandoned. It was the beginning of spring, and the vegetation was at its most verdant. In other areas, the overgrowth and vegetation were so dense that it seemed as if I was in a forest rather than a city. However, all it took was a few steps in either direction for an abandoned apartment building to emerge from the surrounding vegetation. There are a lot of weird things in the exclusion zone, but one of the creepiest things in a manner that I wasn't anticipating was the scented fresh air and magnificent spring greenery. Every sense I had was telling me that this was a good place. My instruments were the only ones that showed me there was anything amiss. My eyes were fine, no one would ever guess that I was blind, but, the only thing I could see, smell, or hear in that location was beauty. I was blind to the shadow that was all about me since I did not have any instruments with me. Because I reside on Long Island, I've had need to visit the King's Park Psychiatric Center more than once. Up in the woods, there are condominiums where the doctors once resided, they are most likely my favorite of the available options. These are the houses that seem like they were cut from a cookie cutter, and they are still furnished and have all of the original equipment. There's this one home with a crimson entrance that has candles scattered all over the floor, satanic symbols spray painted on the walls and this frightening message pointing down to the basement. Next, there is the holding area, which is located in one of the primary buildings. It consists of a barred cell door, a solitary chair with its back to a wall, and scribbles in chalk that were made by one of the prisoners. Although it is difficult to read, the patient has written a statement stating that he was falsely accused of stealing sugar and coffee. I was wandering through an old amusement park outside of Berlin that had been abandoned. The most of the day had been spent on foot for us as we explored the area. This entire area gave off an eerie vibe, 
as if everyone and everything in it was observing your every move. My foot even slipped through a board, and my pals had to come help me climb out of this hole as I was hung above it. We arrived to the Ferris wheel just as the sun was beginning to set in the western sky. On the bridge leading to the Ferris wheel, there was a bear trap, and on the other side of the lagoon, on the other side of the lagoon, we noticed smoke and a light coming from one of the fake homes. At that moment, we reacted by turning around and beginning to sprint back to our bicycles. During that time, we heard a dog parked, barking, hee hee, behind us, and as a result, we sped up our pace. Nothing more ever occurred after that, and by the time we went back to the city, we had heard that there were some gypsies living out in the countryside. I'm not an urban adventurer, but when I was younger I loved searching out new adventures. We entered an abandoned structure that consisted mostly of the building's shell and the floors, and it was rather gloomy inside. We wanted to smoke on the roof, but there was this strange dude on the floor that was the final one before the roof, and he was sort of wandering around in circles. When he spotted us, he began screaming, and then he started picking up objects and hurling them. Not directed in any way towards us, but more broadly. Grabbing them with both hands and tossing items about while yelling at the same time. We were too terrified to descend from the roof in case he was anywhere close to the steps. After waiting up there for a few hours, we finally came to the conclusion that he had left and was at peace. This is more amusing than it is disturbing to be honest. Together with my now former partner, I broke into an abandoned halfway home that was originally built for problematic youth. It was more or less a gigantic house out in the middle of nowhere. It gained a certain degree of notoriety in the neighborhood due to the fact that the soul shooting that took place in the city for about 10 years occurred there, when a young man who resided there shot a gas station clerk while stealing the establishment. Everything was very routine, and the inside of the building was monstrously large, even without the usual assortment of furnishings. We made our way up to the second floor, where the bedrooms were located, and in one of them, a large painting of Sonic was done in green paint on the wall. He had green pot leaves put on his head in place of his hair, and it captioned Chronic the Hemp Hog. I have a photo of it saved on my old phone, but whomever was responsible for it put a lot of effort into it, and when we saw it, we couldn't stop laughing over it. Another location was one that had hoarder status in every sense of the word. As if someone had totally packed up their belongings in preparation to relocate, and then abandon all of the items there. The basement was the most unpleasant part. Shelving units that contained hundreds of fruit canning jars, many of which were so old that the fruit contained inside them had melted and stank so effing badly. A group of my friends and I entered an abandoned Salvation Army facility in Youngstown about eight years ago. We didn't actually break into the building since the doors had already been broken down. Many people who were homeless had taken up residence there, but it didn't seem to be their usual habit, rather, it was merely an additional location to camp out in the harsh weather. Except for the toilet, which, for some inexplicable reason, 
was crammed full of paper, there was a lot of feces everywhere. You may usually discover stuff like worn out board games, books that have been ripped up, places to sleep, and clothing in locations where homeless individuals have set up camp. While we were making our way downstairs from the third floor, we passed a guy who was heading up the stairs while conversing on his mobile phone. We halted, he halted, we ducked into the hallway on the second level, he ducked into the hallway on the first floor, and then we didn't see each other again. The baby doll with a plastic head and a fabric body that was sitting nude on a chair with fake flower petals all around it, a paper hat, and a sign that stated Eliza in front of it or her was the creepiest thing there was. As soon as we spotted what seemed to be blood spots on the floor surrounding the chair, we rushed out of that room as quickly as possible. Once, when on the eastern end of Long Island, New York, we broke into a peculiar building. Even though it was surrounded by a fence, it was one of those spots that almost every adolescent would find a way to get eventually. It was a vast complex consisting of multiple buildings, some of which may have still been in use in some capacity, but, since this occurred such a long time ago, I don't recall a lot about the site, I was certainly high as f at the time. Anyway, one of the buildings that we got into had a concrete staircase that went quite a ways underground, and it opened up into a long hallway with individual cells that were either small 8 by 8 or 10 by 10 cubes with secure doors that were mostly busted open by now. It looked like a mental institution from a science fiction movie. The inside walls of each of the rooms were painted in a different hue, and some of them had wild designs such as zebra stripes or color splotches. Everything looked old and musty, and the rooms were littered with the garbage left behind by several adolescent guests, such as empty beer bottles and cigarette boxes, as well as food packing and other items. Instead, one of the rooms was locked, and the door hadn't been broken down or forced open yet, however, the window in that room had been shattered. In that room, which had an oddly colored striped pattern on the walls, there was still a cot with a discolored mattress, and the walls were all covered with large scratches in the paint all over the place. My stone mind finally put together the pieces and realized that whatever the F was being held captive in this room was using their fingernails to attempt to scrape the paint off the walls. That nagged at me for a few weeks. Edit, does Brookhaven or Medford possibly have a location that is comparable to this one? Edit, I reconnected with a number of old friends from that time period and one of them insisted that I was conflating two separate nights, one in which we went to Camp Hero, and another in which we were in Kings Park. It's possible that the destination of the long drive I recall was a place Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Called Plum Island. My other buddy believes I'm talking about the time we traveled up to Rockland County, but in reality, for the better part of three years, we spent every night going out, 
getting wasted, and breaking into buildings, whether or not they were abandoned. The general opinion amongst my close friends is that I'm referring to King's Park, which also seems to be the general opinion of this group. The recollection of that chamber with the scratch marks is the most vivid aspect of that night, and the fact that no one else recalls the psychedelic cells makes me believe I'm going insane. No one remembers the psychedelic cells. Existing building investigation is something I do for my job every once in a while. While I was in Dayton, Ohio, I decided to check out the local schools. There are possibly some of them that date back to the 1800s. Venturing down the steam tunnels was one of the most eerie things I've ever done. Incandescent light bulbs provided the illumination, but much as in your worst nightmares, the light never appeared to properly shed any light on the situation. A live wire was stretched between two fixtures that were about 30 feet apart, and only one of four lights seemed to be operational. Hammering and clanking noises would emerge from the steam traps out of the blue. The most eerie place I'd ever been was tucked down in the depths of these tunnels. A lone chair stood in the center of the room, facing the outdated shower that had a basin made of concrete set into the floor. To the right of the chair was an empty space. Of course there are no windows, and the only light source is a single weak bulb in the far corner. I like adventuring, so it wasn't a bad experience overall, but I couldn't wait to get away from that place. Typically, the remains of previous explorers who brazenly arranged photographs with scary toys or a solitary chair. I would have to conclude that the majority of the Desjarnet Insane Asylum is where the actual creepiness may be found. Tile covered every available surface in the peculiar room and stalls that were located in the basement of the building. Water nozzles were scattered around the walls, ceiling, and floor in a manner that seemed arbitrary but was clearly not random. This is not my picture, but it is an example of one of the identical stalls I am referring about. Nevertheless, the most notable feature of the chamber was a concrete bed outfitted with channels that were reminiscent of those used to drain blood during Mayan sacrificial ceremonies. After learning that this location was significant in the development of lobotomies, we found ourselves feeling quite uneasy. After doing some further study, we discovered that it was just a straightforward hydrotherapy setup. So, towards the end, it wasn't that spooky. Since they have someone monitoring the area apparently around the clock, I strongly advise that nobody try to get in at this time. If anybody else in the region is interested, I have few more that come from the Virginia area. I wanted to experience something eerie, so I went to what is now the Jefferson Theater in Charlottesville when it had been shuttered for at least a few decades, and perhaps more. It was strange to look at since it had been completely stripped out. Even the carpet and the flooring as well as the stairs had been taken out. The only thing that left was a stage and amphitheater made of concrete. We ascended to the area on the balcony where a guy had died after falling from the balcony, which had resulted in the theater being closed, I think in the 1920s. After that, a few years later, I moved to that city, and soon after, 
I started going to the same facility to witness music performances by bands of a more moderate caliber. I need to retrieve from an external hard drive where I had kept copies of various old newspapers and other such documents. It is possible for me to retrieve it through my Ur account. Another eerie thing that happened was that we broke through some crumbling masonry in order to investigate a railroad tunnel that had been closed off. A short time ago, a section of the tunnel collapsed, causing the train engine and its crew to get trapped. They just surrounded the train with brick barriers since there was no other way to retrieve the remains of the passengers. It wasn't all that thrilling since the cave-in basically blocked our access to all of the macabre treasures we were looking for. Perhaps the other side would have been preferable, but the stonework on this side was not damaged in any way. Because I'm not on a throwaway and to the best of my knowledge, there is not a single other person who has seen this one since the time of the deadly accident, I'm going to have to restrict the amount of information that I share about it. The other response will get a couple additional additions from me.